Hi there, and welcome to the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast with me, Joe O'Connor. The show where one special guest talks all things travel, the trips that have shaped their lives, what travel really means to them, and indeed, what it might look like in the future. Now, when your job requires you to write for both print and screen, where do you draw your inspiration from? Is it the mundane, everyday tasks that we take for granted? Or is it from visiting far-flung destinations where we meet different people and see different ways of living? My guest for this episode draws on his experiences from both. It means that I can go somewhere in my mind if I'm setting somewhere in Thailand or in Colombia or somewhere. I can say, well, I, I know what that city was like. I know what that smelled like. And you can base on characters you met there. You, you know, I mean, you still got to do more research to back it up. But just getting stuff on paper, it's so much easier. I can just, you, you have those memories and you can just kind of go there and just sitting at your desk and you can you can set some, somewhere all around the world. So, yeah, it's been a, invaluable for me, really, you know. Keelan Ryan is an author and filmmaker. His debut novel, The Middle Place, was released last year, receiving plaudits from some of the major names in Irish literature. It followed his debut feature film, Lift, which he wrote, produced and starred in, and which has just been released on Amazon Prime. Keelan is currently working on a number of projects, one of which was inspired by a trip he made over 10 years ago. It, that place did have an effect on me, and I just thought the people were so sound and such a beautiful location that uh, yeah the main character in 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 this book is is a 10 year old boy killing an indian or it's, it's kind of all about him which was kind of fun because i loved that place but then you know researching it down for the book yeah, i got to know even more about them and know a little bit of their language and and their cultures when we caught up at a time when ireland was getting ready to come out of lockdown keelan filled me in on childhood memories of san francisco discovering a paradise off the coast of panama getting familiar with Genghis Khan in Mongolia and the minor matter of having a gun pulled on him in Siberia. Her son wasn't into it at all and he kind of comes over to us and he had this little man bag on him and again, before kind of anybody had man bags, but I mean, absolutely, definitely not there. So it was kind of noticeable. I was like, what's the about with the man bag? We are kind of slagging him earlier on. Well, little I know, like, he came over to us and out of the man bag comes a little, little revolver. All that and much more on this episode of the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast. Hope you enjoy. Keelan, great to have you on the show. How are things? Great. Thanks for having me on the show. So we're just about to come out of lockdown after over three months. Uh, how has it been for you and what have you been up to over the last few months? Yeah, just kind of just chilling out and doing, um, taking advantage of this kind of very unique, very strange kind of time. Yeah, a lot of people kind of said to me, like, you must be getting lots of writing done, you know, with all this thing. And, and I've done so much, le- so much less than I usually do, you know, just kind of watching shows and doing all that kind of stuff and being a total cliche, fixing the garden and, mm. and uh, getting some burned out in the back. Yeah. it's funny like you know I've heard that a lot of people are, are finding it very difficult to be productive despite having so much more time you know during this whole lockdown 
Yeah, I think it's kind of like, you know, hopefully we'll never have another one of these, you know. So you may as well make the best of it while we have it, you know. Like, it's a real get-out-of-jail-free kind of, you don't have to do anything for three months, you know. Um, so that part of it, and obviously, look, there's, you know, there's worries and there's whatever. There's lots of bad stuff going on. We have elderly people in nursing homes and uh, in my own family, so, which is worrying, which a lot of people have as well. So th- th- that, that comes with it. But, you know, the, the actual day-to-day I, I've had... Uh, I thought, you know, I can't complain, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We've kind of enjoyed it, enjoyed that kind of family time, you know, the way where, you know, we, we, we were away in Thailand actually when, um, when when it all happened. So I missed I missed the first kind of month of it. Our mm-hmm. timing couldn't have been better. We left at the, like the 3rd of March. Um, and so all the kind of, you know, it kind of got worse from the 4th on, you know. And mm-hmm. we kind of came back at the end of March. And uh, then we had to be cocooned for two weeks, which was great. It's like my, my wife, Carla, had an extra two-week holiday and uh <laughs> you know and then and then after that then everybody had to go home so you know we haven't done yeah. we, we've been kind of just chilling out since the start of yeah. march no i remember you were in thailand at the time did you end up getting the same flight you were supposed to home or were you caught over there no we did and the last two or three days that, that was the one negative that happened now probably during the last three days of my holiday i was trying to we were trying to figure out if we were going to catch an early flight you know um, but ultimately, we didn't. It was just, it was, yeah, it, we couldn't really. I mean, the flights were still on. There was none of the flights were being cancelled or anything. So, um, so yeah, we just uh, we we went with the same one. And that that, that yeah. kind of sucked because at that stage we were kind of a bit worried about it at all. Like when I left, it was still a little bit like, you know, as you know, this is being blown out of proportion, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you know, while I was there, I was kind of on to. to family or whatever and they're like oh no jesus this is getting serious because it wasn't really in thailand we we're in northern thailand and mm. uh, there was no cases up there i think they're still very yeah. low over there so we we're we we're mm. totally uh we we're a bit removed from the whole thing which was great yeah. but you know when we got home obviously we realized how serious it was but the, and the flights coming home kind of sucked because they, they were all crammed and you know they, yeah. that was kind of long those only kind of times we were kind of worried we had a two-year-old with us yeah. so you know a bit worried yeah. about her and stuff yeah, it sounds like you really just got home just at the right time, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, mm. <laughs> it's good, the nice weather and everything came, came when yeah. home, so yeah, we're all blessed with it. <laughs> Timed it well. <laughs> cool, well look, let's talk travel, because that's what you, we have you here for, and what I wanted to start with, Keelan, is your earliest childhood travel memory, I suppose. Um, is there something that would stand out to you? Maybe, you know, I know you have family down in County Clare, or... Was it further afield? Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I was thinking of that. I think um, I, I, I think it's, it's kind of always been there for me because, well, yeah, I do have family in Clare. So for a start, ever since I was a baby, up and down for Clare maybe once a month. But bigger than that, like my mom was raised in America and she, she moved over here on a holiday when she was 17. I kind of met my dad a few months later, shortly after on her 18th birthday and uh, got my grandparents to send them over more, more clothes you know said i'm right. gonna stay her and her sister they both met my my, my dad and my uncle they both said oh, fuck it we're, we're stay so i always kind of thought that was good cool. i always knew that my mom lived with like she and, and not to mention that her dad immigrated the whole family out when she was only three so they moved to new jersey to new york and he they raised, he raised a family there so like like a lot of people you know i think travel is was kind of a lot, of, a lot of Irish people, I think, travel is in your blood a little bit, and certainly, mm-hmm. absolutely, it's in my family. My granddad moved out in the, you know, in the 50s or whatever it was, and then my mom did the same back again. So I always just kind of knew I'd, 
I want, you know, it was just always a thing. I, I would kind of travel around, I would live abroad, that kind of stuff. It just seemed normal mm -hmm. to me, you know. But I suppose in terms of an actual memory, it's just being on, on planes, I think. And again, maybe mm -hmm. when I was one or two going over to America, because my mom's had her brothers out there, my granny and granddad, so we'd go over there maybe every five years or four or five years as kids. So I think I was two or three. I remember being in San Francisco and seeing, thinking the, the hills were mad steep and the cars going up and down. And when I went back there as an adult, I, like the hills weren't half as steep. So I, I always kind of wondered, was that a dream I had or was it just so small that I thought mm -hmm. it was they were practically going, you know, or vertical, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, there's kind of visceral kind of memories being on a plane and being in San Francisco, but more so just, you know, my parent, my mom, you know, yeah. having, having travelled and my, my granddad. It sound like really kind of vivid memories. Yeah. And is, would you say there's something that excites you most about travel, Keelan? Definitely the kind of adventure element of it. Like, um, I love bus stations for some reason. I love arriving on a kind of bus, you know, and you have your backpack and you get off the bus and, and you, you know, there's just a, there's an energy there. And you, you, know, you maybe don't know where you're going to go next or maybe you do, but you got to figure it out, you know. Mm. Um, I, I just love the kind of the adventure that comes with travel, you know. That kind of tells me the kind of traveller you are. Maybe you like or the, that uncertainty and, and to not know where the next destination is, is that, would that be something? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I mean, um, more in recent years, because uh, my wife's a travel agent, so, um, you know, we've planned them out a little bit more. She has. I, I never liked really planning them. She, she would plan them out a little bit more now but in the last few years, but certainly before that, we'd always just get to a place and then decide where to go. I mean, actually, remember when we were in uh, Morocco, we went to Agadir, we was there for two weeks, and mm -hmm. uh, we did. We didn't like the place, so then we just kind of we left, and like you know, we just traveled all around Morocco. We came back, and the guys were like, you know, because we left our bags there and everything. And the guys were like, Jesus, we didn't know if you're ever coming back. You know, we didn't know we didn't know where you were. Like we still had to pay for the room for the two weeks or whatever it was. You know, so yeah, yeah. like um, absolutely, you know, or you know, when we travel around the world, we 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 have a one plane ticket into we flew into Moscow, and then we just made it up as we went along, and, and you know, we we found out where we were going to go from where we got to the next place. So, and we've done that like ever since, you know, we, we do try to mm -hmm. get to a place and just kind of decide. I suppose it's easier to, to plan it out nowadays as well though with the internet and booking, booking things in yeah. the past where you, when I first started traveling, you know, that wasn't really a thing as much, you know, you just kind of go. And a big part of it for me was absolutely uh, not, not, not knowing where you're gonna, where you're gonna end up, you know, definitely. Bus stations, what, what is it about bus stations? Oh, it's the toilets, they're so, they're so lovely. <laughs> I actually don't know. I, I think it's. I think it is the going back to that thing of just. I just. There's an energy there. Everybody's kind of coming and going. Um, there's a grittiness to them. You know, um, mm. they're easier. You know, than than you know, obviously airports or even train stations. You know, I mean, I prefer traveling on a train than a bus. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong, but the actual bus station and you, you're, they're always in a certain part of the town. You never know exactly where you are, and you always have to try to try to figure that out. And I, people are in a good mood. They're you know, it's always full of backpackers, and they're going somewhere and. I don't know, it's just the energy of them, you know. Now, you mentioned about travelling a lot when you were young to, you know, to the States, San Francisco. But it, it, was there a trip that you'd say gave you a kind of a fascination with the world that you said, you know, I really want to experience more of this, I want to see more places? Is there anything that comes to mind? Well, again, I think, I think it was more so other people's trips. I think it was my granddad, I think it was my mom. In, in a weird, like, I mean, I, I left from... Uh, no, I was always traveling. I mean, I went into Redland right after school, so like, I mean, that was that was good crack. Um, you know, traveling around Europe and stuff. Um, you know, I lived in San Francisco from about twenty three. Uh, you know, I was kind of young enough. You know, uh, me and you living out there and as far away as Wolverhampton. You know, 
Uh, but I always like that idea of, of going new places and experiencing new cultures. I, I actually think maybe the one might have been, um, it, well, again, it wasn't mine. It's my, my brother was traveling around. He sent a photo. And this, again, is before kind of Facebook and all that kind of stuff. He sent a photograph of himself walking this place in Bolivia, this kind of mountain behind him and a lake in front. And I was like, it was, it was, it was like, even though I'd done a fair bit of traveling up until that point, it's like, like it looked like something out of outer space. And I was like, look where he is. You know, it just looks so amazing. I was like, I have to, have to do this. And in fairness, when he came back, like, I mean, it was a good few years later before I finally kind of did a big, big travel and, and he was on me every day. You have to go, you have to go, you know, you have to do this kind of, kind of travel around the world thing. And, and sure enough, I found that exact same mountain and, and like uh, re recreated that photograph, you know, identical pictures, really cool. I like the people I was traveling around and re reckon they're out of driving around the salt flats or salt plains of Bolivia. And, um, you know, oh, that's it, that's it. I was sure about three times I got the, because I was going from memory again, it's none of this Facebook or like I just go back into it. That's it, that's it. So I took about three or four different photos in front of me, in front of just random mountains. And then eventually I found the one. I was like, oh shit, no, that's it, that's the one. So it's kind of Great, cool. Yeah. Is there a place that you'd never return to? And you mentioned Agadir actually is somewhere you wanted to get out of straight away, but is there somewhere you'd say, right, I won't be going back there? Well, I suppose, yeah, um, Siberia. Yeah, I don't know why we okay. went there. Agadir is like, um, I don't know, like New York compared to... to uh, right, to tell me about Siberia. How did Where did you arrive from? And, well, it was you know, the start of our week. So, you know, what, it was about 10 years, 11 years ago, we, we, uh, myself and Carol, my now wife went traveling around the world and we, we flew into Moscow. It wasn't great either, being honest, but then we, we had in our head that we wanted to go up to Siberia because it just sounded just kind of a crazy place to go to. And we'd also want to go to Mongolia. Um, and it just wasn't. I mean, there's a reason why you never hear anybody going on holidays in Siberia. Like, in hindsight, it sounds stupid to go there. But I mean, it, like, I'm, I'm definitely happy we went there because it was a mad experience. But mm -hmm. I would absolutely never go back. Like it's, you know, okay. they, they don't want you over there. You know, like the Russians are gassed, You know, but they don't want <laughs> you there at all. The Trans-Siberian railway that was, I take it that you you took, and how was that experience? That was incredible. Like, um, so again, I mean, apart, being honest, part of Siberia was we were kind of green travelers at that stage as well. So I think we probably picked the worst place to go into when you're not too used to it like travel is easy enough when you're kind of on the gringo trail you kind of you know a lot of people done it before nobody went to siberia so and nobody spoke the language the writing's different it was just weird it was just we we're too much fish out of water landing there you know but mm -hmm. when we hopped on the trans siberia um straight away you know uh, we were kind of in the luxury you know we heard that you know you have your own little room kind of uh carry grand style and mm -hmm. you know that was just savage you know we went through mongolia mm -hmm. and into china and um uh, and it was the exact opposite, you know, uh, Mongolia yeah. the best, it was the best place I was ever in, it's right beside it, you know, so mm -hmm. it was definitely worth heading up there. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, those places, they, you know, if, if there's no kind of tourism infrastructure, it can be a real slog. Um, a lot of places you'll, you'll come back and you look, might look back fondly on, on the place, but at the time it certainly feels like a real struggle. Well, de definitely, like when we first started travelling, like after a few months, you you, re, you know you get good at it and, and all, and it's not really a hardship. You know it is. It, like you get credit for traveling in a weird way, but it's, really it is just you're going on holidays. It's kind of a strange thing. Oh, geez, you went there, you went there, but really you're you know it's like you're, you're basically just going on, on your holidays for for long mm -hmm. period, longer periods of time. So they're deadly. But when we first went, like I definitely felt that like Jesus, traveling is great. You know you experience, but it, but it was all highs and lows. Every single day it's highs and lows. Mm -hmm. You know. 
because um, you're 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 on edge or you don't know a place and all this and um, and then something deadly would happen because you'd see something deadly or you meet someone cool or you you know whatever it is. But every single day for the first few weeks, from, you know, it's kind of like shit. This is this is going to be difficult. I'm going to do you know best yeah. try of the year of this. But after a while, then you know you realize that's not the, not the case. And to be fair, you know, I don't want to be you know slagging off the place, but it was a lot down to kind of the country and the culture was just you know it's just. You know, because even places that are, are aren't you know are remote and not built up, you know, they tend to be kind of glad you're there and treat you to treat you right. You know, um, mm-hmm. I haven't really been to anywhere else that, that I actually didn't like. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And then, on the other side of things, I suppose, is there a favorite travel destination that would come to mind? Yeah. Well. Um, uh, Mongolia, right after. Did right. I say Morocco earlier on? I said, we, no, no, uh, you'd mentioned Mongolia. Uh, on. Yeah, no, um, yeah, absolutely, Mongolia. Like, so we got off the train. Definitely my favorite place I was ever, and I'd, I'd certainly go back there. Did, did you arrive in Ulaanbaatar, or was there kind of a border crossing, or what What, what was the, your first experience of seeing Mongolia? The first experience of getting the, the, the train in from, from Russia, from, like, you know, Siberia's end of Russia, and then... We, the first thing we seen was just this big, happy, smiley uh, Mongolian there with a big sign up, look, look for us. We had someone staying in the hospital. We like, and it was the first time someone smiled us in, in about three weeks because we just went through Russia, you know. And we were like, oh, God, yes, yes. And we just had a good feel about the place. I mean, you know, yeah. walking to, walking back, walking to the man's walking to the hospital, we see a big sign up, you know, a big billboard for Ariel or Tide or one of these kind of watching the turds. And Obama, by the way, you know, <laughs> endorsing it, you know, as if they just don't give a bollocks, you know. Um, and, yeah. then, and then the hostel was full, um, yeah. but the guy uh, who who kind of worked in the hostel said, "Well, you can stay in my house." So it was all mm-hmm. just positive kind of fi- thing after yeah. the next. And we stayed in his gaff, and you don't remember in Father Ted when the guy uh, brings him into the back room. There's all the Nazi memorabilia, you know, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's what your man's gaff was like only for Genghis Khan. Like it was just okay. There's no swastikas in there. No swastikas. No, but it was like just. Genghis Khan everywhere like uh, yeah yeah and, like this guy's dead, like dead th- a thousand years ago or whatever but it's just kind of mm. cool to see this what they go in I mean it's Genghis Khan everything Genghis Khan Irish bar Genghis Khan smokes all this stuff but then a Genghis Khan Irish bar yeah Geng- it's called Genghis Khan's Irish bar yeah yeah in <laughs> I love it it's gas like, so, but Ulaanbaatar is the only place that really is built up again I think it's slightly changing now this is over 10 years ago you know um, like whatever it's a giant giant country there's 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 only three million people living there, and a million of them are in Ulaanbaatar. So when we got out up there, I mean, even this was kind of cool. You know, we had this 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 guy he's in this like 1950s uh, old van. You know, and it, it takes us mm-hmm. about three hours to get out of the town because your man just like pulls up to his his mate's gap or was his railway's gap or someone, and he just kind of goes in. <laughs> he just disappears for two hours inside. You know, we just sit in the back waiting for him to come out. You know, and we're just like, <laughs> yeah. ah, you gotta just you just gotta love it. Like they just don't they just. They just don't give a yeah. like so. Yeah, um, it sounded like two extremes going from Siberia to Mongolia. Absolutely, that, like they're famous for being friendly, and, and and they just really, really are. And you know, they're not unlike the Irish. And I, I kind of thought they were kind of must be like the Irish, maybe when my dad was growing up. You know, maybe Ireland in the forties or something. You know. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, in some of their mentalities, you know, um, mm-hmm. but they're just really cool. And we you know we got to kind of live with the kind of you know the rest of the, the population are all nomadic. So we got to live in these kind of girl camps and, you know, I was mad into kind of cowboy movies and all this. So it it felt like, it genuinely felt like I was going back in time to 1800s America, you know, because mm-hmm. they live like the Native Americans, you know, the, the girls are like, look, look kind of like teepees. You're, you're riding around on horses, you're herding 
you know, the little goats with them and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, but yeah, the best experience of my life. Uh, yeah. No, that sounds incredible. Uh, the closest I've experienced is, is probably Kyrgyzstan, but a similar kind of nomadic life, people living in yurts. and mm. Yeah, it feels like a real step back in time. And again, the landscapes are, are incredible. Has so much to offer, yeah. Absolutely. Like the, the landscapes every day, one minute looks like the Grand Canyon, next minute it's forestry, next minute it's like the Sahara Desert, you know, all in mm. the one kind of area. And actually, my, my, yeah. maybe my favourite memory of all time travelling was... Um, we were driving with this guy again. I mean, when I, it, there's no roads, so he's driving just on, you know, whatever the dirt is on the ground, you know, so, and it's just all open, all open plains, like, um, but it was around lunchtime, and he was getting hungry, so he just starts looking around at, off of the horizon, looking for, see, can he see any girl camps there? And he just kind of spots one, and, and again, just saying, uh, veers off towards it, you know, a few miles away, just driving up hills after hills, like, he's just kind of driving, and he just got into mm-hmm. the people who obviously never met them before. They're just kind of out there and whatever tells them they're hungry. Uh, we're hungry, kind of went in with them. And we're sitting down. There's like a guy kind of dying in the corner. There's the whole family sitting around. They start passing around this goat milk. And it's it's um, it's um rude to turn down like a drink. If mm. you, which actually was cool when we were staying all different places at night. Because they always give you vodka. And it, actually it's rude to turn it down. You end up, have, you end up going on the piss with all these. Like they're mad. The man into the pocket, but anyway, we had the, we had the goat's milk with the, the this family, and then we went outside and we were kind of uh, just hanging with the kids, maybe some jellies or whatever. You, get, you know, gave some to the kids, and there was one of the kids was mad pissed off, this like little ten year old girl, because she basically had to do her chores, which mm. was bringing the cat. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know why she was pissed off or whatever. But she looked a little bit of a scorpion head in there. Like maybe she was ten. She might have been eight. You know, a little cute little kid. And actually, she just kind of jumps up on the horse and just gallops off into the distance, all off over the mm. horizon. We're like, wow, that's the that, that's you know, what a cool little girl. Where's she going? You know, we're yeah. all about her. We're there for an hour or two, and next thing you know, we're just outside chatting. I just hear, it, just kind of look off into the, off into the distance, and there she wants this little eight or nine year old, just riding bareback on, on this horse and just bringing in mm. a herd of like fifty horses, you know, all by herself, mm. you know. And we're just like, oh my god, that's the coolest little girl I've ever seen, you know. I don't know if, if Mongolia could answer this question as well, but is there kind of a hidden gem somewhere where you've kind of been or you arrived in and you kind of maybe were surprised that you'd never heard of it before? Or maybe you stumbled upon it, but is there a hidden gem that, you know, you'd say you've been to? Yeah, I was in Bangkok, this place in Thailand is very good now. I must look recommend <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll look it, must look it up. Look that one up. Um, I, I think a lot of places are little hidden gems when you go there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Again, if you just kind of drive a little bit outside. Or, I mean, I, I suppose probably maybe the San Blas Islands off of Panama. I don't know. They it's hard to know what qualifies as a hidden gem, you know, if yeah. it goes there or whatever. But again, certainly at the time, it was they were completely unheard of. They're, we were traveling through Panama and had planned to go to um, Peru, but then heard about this, this thing you can charter, this a sailboat. And sail to Colombia, to sail to Cartagena, and you go through the San Blas Islands where these, the Kuna people live. And, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're saying, you know, with Mongolia, so this was kind of a, these are the two great best places, Mongolia and San Blas. San Blas is these like absolute paradise islands with, um, you know, again, uh, these Kuna, they don't speak English, they don't speak Spanish, they, they, they have their own language, they're the indigenous people of this of this place and um they all just live off these islands fishing and we talked to sailboat up you know it was me and uh, carl three irish girls uh 
Canadian bloke and two Aussies, so we were just all there to have a good time, and you just got to stop the boat somewhere, and you just jump off the, the sailboat and, like, swim to one of these islands and mm. just and just hang out with them, like, you know, maybe drink with them, and there might be two people living on it, or there might be 40 people living on it. There's a whole cluster of islands, but... Um, that that mm. was actually that was absolute heaven. You know, you're just sleeping okay. out of the stars, literally just sleeping on the on the sand and the beach and the, the like. It was like, it was like uh, you know, like the way the Far Side cartoon, the way they draw Desert Islands, like just a bit of sand and one palm tree. Like <laughs> that's the kind of crack it was, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. Like. Yeah. Um, and and how how was the setup from a tourist point of view? I mean, were, were there little kind of hostels or anything no. like that? Or was it very much just okay? Go speak to some local. They'll know somewhere you can stay. No, they're just the islands where these people live. You sleep on the boat or you sleep in the island. They're just, again, they're really friendly. I mean, this was one of the times I realised that people are just people, you know. We're in a place in China with, you know, 32 million people on it and we're living in, or and we're in a place in this island with two people living on it. And they're the same, you know. Everybody ha- you can just have to go, you have to crack with anybody. And mm. like those one night we were there, I think, I think it was that, do I remember Guinness started doing this Arthur Guinness Day? You know, I don't know if they still do, mm-hmm. but it was like the first one, so it was kind of, and we were with a few Irish. We said, oh, let's have, you know, Arthur Guinness Day. So we brought like little green party hats. And we <laughs> end up on one of these islands just with this, I think it was just like him, this guy and his family living there in this island. It was just sound. And I remember he had fizz for the first time. We, we had brought champagne and your man took his sup at the champagne. He couldn't get over it, you know. Um, mm. I was trying to communicate. He was like laughing. He was spitting it out and he was laughing. But the funny, like, we were up all night with this guy. I walk up on the, I walk up on the, uh, just on the beach or whatever and I had to swim back out to the, to the boat, <laughs> and, uh, mm. the next day when we were kind of setting to sail off again, so you kind of set, you make your way. It's like it takes you a week to get to Cartagena. You make your way, and you take three days stopping off these islands, and it's like four or five days in the open seas. But just as we were oh, ta- okay. taking off, which was an incredible experience as well, mind you. But when we were taking off, he saw your man going in about his business, like you know, he, he went to go fishing, and wasn't he wearing mm. the little green party hat? You know, <laughs> like like it was just his <laughs> little plastic party hat. It was just part of his clothes now. You know, he's like. That's awesome, shiny, glittery hat, you know. Yeah, he's he probably still wearing it. Yeah, yeah he's still wearing it because, like, even when he was wearing the night before, like, they kind of wear whatever the hell washes up on shore. Like, he's wearing a big pair of, yeah. kind of Bridget Jones undies and he had one flip flop and one kind of crock, you know, and that was, <laughs> and then he had that little hat to go with it down at the end, you yeah. know. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And then the open seas yeah. to Cartagena, you know, it's just an experience. I mean, we had this kind of a crazy English captain, God knows what he was doing, living out there. But, um, mm. Yeah, I think he kind of drugged us and everything. It was kind of crazy because we were just wrecking his head. And he said, oh, these are seasickness tablets. And we, the whole crew, the, the whole, we're not we're much of a crew, but we all kind of passed out for a day or two. And really? Just crazy big waves and lightning storms. And yeah, that, that like you were asking earlier, what you like about it, kind of and that, that adventure element. You kind of always kind of looking, searching for kind of things like that, you know, that you can, yeah. you know, just kind of feel like you're, you know, doing a a one percent version of Indiana Jones or something, you know, so that's relatively <laughs> safe, but maybe it doesn't feel all that safe. You know? Yeah. Okay. Look, sounds like an incredible trip, and we might come back to those islands a, bit, a little bit later. Actually, any funny or kind of outrageous or any kind of interesting travel story that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few, I suppose. I suppose the dodgy one again, uh, going back to Siberia, maybe this might explain why I wasn't such a big fan of it. Like I had a guy shove a gun at me. <laughs> In, uh, right. in Siberia. So we were up in this place. We went to see Lake Baikal, which is, I think, it's the, like, from the, biggest, the biggest freshwater lake in the world. It has some sort of claim like that, anyway. Myself and Cara were kind of, um, we, we, we ended up meeting up with these uh, two German blokes and uh, two Mongolian girls, and we were kind of, kind of, kind of partying with them all day in this little kind of, I guess, a little fishing village, but, you know, it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and 
it was kind of early drinking, so we kind of kind of drinking all day with these guys, and there was kind of a Russian family sitting near us, and you know, there's music playing, there's this L one dancing, I started kind of dancing with the with the L one, you know, um, mm-hmm. and you know, like you know, it's kind of like wedding dancing with her, you know, <laughs> you kind of dance with the, the wedding, so it's a bit kind of flirtatious, you know. So I was kind of yeah. doing kind of a you know poor man's uh, Patrick Swayze kind of with, with her, and she was you know kind of laughing away or whatever, but the, her son like wasn't into it at all you know and he okay. kind of he kind of comes over to us and he, he obviously this, hadn't seen Dirty he Dancing he hadn't seen though. Dirty Dancing as many times as I have anyway you know <laughs> so um, he had this little man bag on him and again it was before kind of anybody had man bags but I mean absolutely definitely not there there so it was kind of noticeable was like what's such a man with a man bag we kind of slagging him earlier on well little I know like he came over to us and out of the man bag comes a little little revolver Ma- man gun a little man gun <laughs> yeah. yeah so she, she sticks the man gun in my, uh, in my belly and yeah. um, oh, again, I was kind of lucky enough that I, you know I was kind of at the level of you know the few drinks that I kind of probably accidentally uh, um, you know had the right reaction. You know I was kind of mm-hmm. like I was going ah would you go away and kind of put my arm around him and ah, stop him and gave him a bit of a kind of a nuggy and that. And the, mm-hmm. the mother was like no no you know he's only young and, and uh, he was kind of he kind of copped on his ears were mad red you know he, his blood was boiling but then you know I was kind of half hugging him then. And he, and then he put the, the gun back in the bag, you know. Right. And uh, I went back over to Carol and the Germans and that, and I was like, Jay, you're never going to guess your man's after to put the gun on me. Carol's like, we got to get the hell out of here, you know. Oh, and just to say that, your man tapped me on the shoulder then, and he kind of says, oh, you gestures, come over this way, and have a word of English. And I went over to his family, and they're all kind of smiling. Next thing, he pours me a vodka, and I pours a whole family of vodka, and then the two of us had a shot together, you know. I kind of went back <laughs> thinking this was great, you know, but again, Carol's like, we got to get the hell out of here. It was only kind of the next yeah. morning I woke up going, yeah. Jesus. So, That's close call, uh, yeah. We kind of got the hell out of there that day, you know, so. My next question was, and, and, and I know that you are working on a couple of projects, including two books um, at the moment, but has your experience of travel or any trips that you've had, you know, inspired parts of your work, would you say? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I'm just kind of a, I don't know, I'm just on a level in general. I mean, you know, if you're a writer, right, trying to write characters and all that, you know, the more experiences you have, the better, you know. So traveling in general kind of gives you a, 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 a bit, you know, more of an open mind on, on people and their, on, on how people go on. And, uh, but it gives you more experiences that you can write on, you can draw from. But, mm-hmm. Like, you know, even just like saying the thing with the going, it was, it was a minor enough thing. But, you know, if ever I'm right in a situation, a dodgy situation, that, you know, at least that's something I can tap into and know, know how I feel. Mm-hmm. And travelling is full of things like that, good and bad. And even bad experiences travelling, I always think, well, Jesus, that, you know, a bad experience for anything. I think, well, that, I'm not going to use that sometime when I'm writing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also travelling, I suppose, the first time I kind of I started writing, really, I was doing the tra- travel blogs and stuff, which kind of got a decent reaction, kind of made, you know, made me think, you know, I could, I could do this, you know. Kind of mm-hmm. job. For anybody listening, we, we did an interview a year ago for a magazine piece um, on the back of your first book, the, the Middle Place, being published. And I do remember you at, at the time speaking about a, another book you were working on, and you were actually drawing on some of those travel experiences. Can, can you tell me a bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, in particular, the Sandblast, again, I mean, that place had a massive effect on me. So. The, the, one of the books I'm working on now has it is set all over the world and it's 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 fun now because you know it's a bit about a backpacker or whatever and um, literally anywhere I go now it's like oh this would be a good place for that or this is a good place for this um, 
but in in Sandblast, um, it, that place did have an effect. I mean, I just thought the peak was so sound and a, such a beautiful location that, um, yeah, the main character in 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 this book is is a is a young ten year old. Uh, I think he's twelve now, but a uh, little Kuna uh, boy, Kuna Indian, or and it's you know he kind of it's it's kind of all about him, which was kind of fun because I loved that place, but then. You know, researching it then for the book, yeah, I got to know even more about them and know a little bit of their language and the, and their cultures and stuff. And you know, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to me, you know, um, how different they are in terms of their beliefs. Well, I shouldn't say how different. It's just that um, they haven't been affected by anything else but themselves. You know, mm-hmm. so like let's say, mm-hmm. um, like like women in that society, like they're they're held up on a you know, they're 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 people who are in charge of of uh, of the of the, of themselves or whatever. The, the guys are just kind of there to do the work, and the women kind of call the shots. If you have a uh, a girl, yeah, they call her the jewel of the community and stuff. They have kind of a real uh, have women up in high regard and all. Um, and there's just loads of stuff that I got to kind of learn about them, um, writing about this little kid. And then it's it's fun. It kind of you have a real affection for the characters then, and it kind of brings you back to those places. But but you know, not just there. It's like you know, the, you know, it, it means that I can I can go somewhere in my mind if I'm setting somewhere in Thailand or in, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Colombia or somewhere. I can say, well, I, I know what that city was like. I know what that smelled yeah. like, and uh, you can base on characters you met there. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, you still got to do more research to back it up. But just getting stuff on paper, it's so much easier. I can just. You know, you you have those memories, and you can just kind of go there and just sit yeah. at your desk, and you can you can set some somewhere all around the world. So yeah, it's been a invaluable for me, really. You know. Then yourself, I don't know if you've any plans. Obviously, we're opening up soon as a country. You can travel anywhere in the country, but have you any plans to go anywhere within Ireland, or you know, when travel restrictions abroad are lifted, is there somewhere either you have planned <laughs> or you'd love to love to go? Yeah, Barbados for your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, that's the next big one. I am going to a Ross Common trip planned uh, next month. And I go, I'll go back to and Clare as well. Um, okay. I'll go back to as soon as I think we plan the Clare trip pretty soon. Um, yeah. And then aside from that, I think we're hoping to go to South Africa in March. Um, okay. So that'll be the kind of next big one. Okay. Okay. Great stuff. And then just before you go, what are the plans in the months ahead? You're obviously working on a book. You've got a, a film in the works as well. Can you tell us a bit about what's going on? Yeah. Um, well, uh, hopefully, uh, or hopefully, going to be turned the, the middle place into an audio book soon. Now that the COVID restrictions are, are being lifted. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on two more books. One about the the, the backpacker and, and one that's kind of set more here. And then mm-hmm. I'm working uh, just fin- I've kind of just finished a finessing uh, script a film about a kind of a true story about it. It's set in the 80s about a guard manhunt. Um, and then I actually got the rights to. To the silent people, one of my favorite books. So I'm waiting to see can I get funding to turn that into a, a screenplay as well. But the, definitely the the um, the cop one hopefully will be next. Um, okay. And I have a short film out that's kind of doing the festival circuit now as well. So. Okay, um, plenty in the works there anyway. The works. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and for anybody who hasn't checked out the middle place, I would highly recommend it. You don't travel very far. Well, you could argue that you'd travel somewhere very far, yeah. but um, yeah, look, it's, yeah. it's, it's a fantastic read. And um, where, where can you get that? It's at Mercer's website. Well, you get it on Mercer's website, for? get it on Amazon or Kindle, you know, uh, yeah. or whatever. Um, okay. But yeah, um, 
just get online. And then I suppose I also have uh, the film Lift is on is on Amazon Prime. To all of course. Drivers of Amazon Prime. That's uh, my film, which again is the opposite. Of, opposite of travelling it's about six people stuck in a lift so they don't go anywhere either you don't get got too far if you want to read something that I wrote about not going anywhere the middle place or a lift okay we'll we'll, we'll wait for that one that's um, related to um, Sandblast Islands anyway for some travel experience (laughs) but but look plenty there and you got plenty of plugs in Uh, but look it's been (laughs) (laughs) it's it's been great chatting to you Keon and I really you know appreciate you taking the time out to join me on the show and hear about all your travel experiences including having a gun pulled on you but it's been fantastic and thanks for taking the time <laughs> uh, thanks Joe it's good, good crack good talking to you man this episode of the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast was produced and presented by me Joe O'Connor editing and music by Paul Lochran thanks again to my guests Keelan Ryan for joining me and thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take care, safe travels, and chat soon. <laughs>